figure out what your game is about and, and figure out how to, how to maximize and exploit it. And uh, that works very well in something like competitive magic. It doesn't work as well in most groups when you're like playing Dungeons and Dragons, for instance. Yeah. Finding other ways to challenge yourself outside of sort of the core thing that you're focusing on can be really important too, because it can make you learn different lessons about yourself and how to succeed in ways that you didn't really understand before. People have asked me like, what do you think the most you know, important uh, characteristic is in like a game designer? And, and I think that the answer that I frequently give is, is pretty unusual, which is I, I say empathy, which is to be able to look at the perspective of, of other people and not just your own. Because it's very easy to get kind of caught up in like, this is what I like, and this is the sort of game that I'm gonna make and have that game not appeal to other people or have that game, you know, not like resonate with uh, with a certain segment of your audience who who like likes different things than you do, or like you know isn't as good at the game, right? Like if if someone who just like happens to not be good at a game can't have fun playing it, you're dramatically shrinking your possible audience. So you know you're you're like just and, and if you can say oh well this is this is a game for casuals, it's like okay well you're just saying your game isn't going to be successful. <laughs> There's ebbs and flows to the the popularity of any game. Yep. Um, and, you know, in particular, like as games get, you know, like a game like Hearthstone, right? Like Hearthstone, there's a lot of people who are like, oh, Hearthstone's dying. It's like, well, Hearthstone's not the most popular it's ever been. But to say it's dying is ridiculous because it's still way more popular than the vast majority of other games out there. And that's the sort of thing like, you know, like that it's important as a content creator to sort of identify. It's like, OK, well, let's say Hearthstone did just die tomorrow, right? What would I do? And it's like, well, I could play magic i could play you know any number of other like you know card games and likely be able to draw in a lot of the audience that i had um playing hearthstone to those you know especially if they, they can't go watch hearthstone anymore yep. if you peg yourself too much to a particular thing um you can you can definitely be in trouble if that thing goes away as a content creator if you are so caught up you know in updating your social media bios with your number of followers every time it goes up that like when those numbers go down, what does it what does that mean to you? What does that mean about you, like to yourself? And I, I care about those things; they matter to me. But like, I also have you know an entire life of things to reflect on my own self worth, right? Like, yeah. you know, it's 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 not just pegged to these these metrics that you know can like make you feel so terrible at times if they're not going the right direction. What's up, everybody? For those of you that are on video and are watching this on YouTube, this is gonna be the last time that I'm doing this podcast from Los Angeles because I'll actually be moving to Austin, which I am really excited about. If you didn't know, Austin is one of the big creator hubs in America. There's a lot of content creators out there. Really stoked for the move. A lot of logistics, but really, really, really excited. Today, I'm joined by one of the most legendary names in gaming, um, especially for those of you in the magic community, you will 100% know who this is. When you hear the term overnight success, this is completely the opposite story for this guest. His name is Brian Kibler, and he's been doing this for almost 25 years. It is an absolute fantastic deep dive into one of the legends in the gaming industry. He has won world championships. He has thousands of people watching him on Twitch. And generally, he's just an amazing, amazing guy. You're going to love this episode. Please let me know what you think in the comments. I had a fantastic time chatting with Kibler. Ladies and gentlemen, enjoy. Kibler, welcome to the podcast. It's it's such an honor to have someone like yourself on. I mean, I, I feel like I was relatively 
you know, seasoned in, in the space, but you've you've seen so many different facets of our industry. So it's it's great to have you on. I think our listeners are going to love just hearing how the space has evolved over the last few like decade, two decades. Um, maybe I don't want to date you too much. I really apologize. <laughs> Not the best way to open the podcast, but you have seen a check fair out few. this old guy. <laughs> <laughs> you have seen a fair few sides of the industry and, and the evolution. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. You know, uh, I have been involved in gaming in a you know professional sense pretty much my entire adult life since you know I was in college basically. And to date myself, I graduated from college in the early two thousands. So uh, you know, it's been over twenty five years at this point that I've been like playing games competitively, starting with Magic and like you know going through a bunch of different ways that I've been involved in the space. So I've, I've definitely seen a lot. Yeah, and I remember we met. You were reflecting and we were chatting over uh, DMs. It was PAX 20, 2012, 2013, right in that, that time frame. Yeah, yeah. Uh, that was back when I was competing uh, in Magic the Gathering. I think I was there for the Magic the Gathering World Championship. Um, there was, you know, some some league event there that, you know, I've, I've been a big league fan basically since the beginning as well. So, you know, I'm both a, a competitor, content creator myself, and a big fan. So Cool. Well, before we get too much into that story about Magic and, and everything there, I would love just to give the audience a sense of where you're at now, because you're still creating mm -hmm. a ton of content every single day. Where are you streaming? How much are you streaming? Are you putting out videos? What's your kind of schedule look like in terms of content creation right now? Yeah, so I, I stream on Twitch full time. Um, I basically stream 40 hours a week, uh, Monday through Friday. Um, I do a YouTube video on my uh, my channel, which is generally a just a highlight from my stream uh, pretty much every day. Sometimes there's additional content to that as well. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, I'm, I'm pretty much a full time streamer. Still I also do some some commentary work for um, different card games, doing you know, uh, commentary on their their major events and, and things like that. So sweet. So winding the clock way back, way back to, to young Kibler. Um, do you go by Kibler? Do you go by Brian? Either works. Kibler's cool. fine. Cool. So back to young Kibler. Where did you grow up? How did you even get into gaming? Sure. Um, yeah, I, I grew up in New Hampshire, actually. I grew up in a small town called Hampstead, New Hampshire. Um, and uh, it, it's like I have it's like a small, smaller population than like I have viewers on Twitch in a given day. Like that it's is, a small that's it's wild. a small place. It's really kind of crazy. Um, and you know, I, I basically just started playing games with like, you know, like original Nintendo, pretty much. Um, I, I remember actually like I had an original Nintendo. I, I, I love games like the original Final Fantasy. Well, it was the original Final Fantasy here in the US, the one that was on the original Nintendo. I yeah. think it was like actually Final Fantasy three or something. Not like, you know, super into that, that uh uh, property to know all the specific details of what I'm sure was where. Some, someone listening will. I, oh, I'm there. sure. I'm sure. Absolutely. Um, but, you know, and, and, and through that, I got into uh, like I saw that they had like uh, Dungeons and Dragons novels at like the store that I went to go buy Nintendo games. Um, and I bought like, you know, a and d novel, read it and was like, this is pretty cool. Got like into like playing D&D &D with like my group of friends. It was literally like something out of Stranger Things. It was the 80s. It was me riding my bike to my friend's houses to play D&D. Like, you know, so I actually, was that actually happened. Yeah. That was literally my life. So, like, I love that show. <laughs> you know, if you haven't watched Stranger Things, it's incredible. Uh, but also it's particularly resonant with me because, you know, that was basically what my life was as a kid was living in a small town riding my bike around, playing games at my friends' houses. And from from there, I actually was at a, a convention um, where I was to, uh, I, w I had gone to play Dungeons and & Dragons and saw people like with 
like cards on the floor playing this game. And I'm like, what is this? I've never seen this before. And it was magic. That was like right after magic had come out. This was actually like, I want to say February of 94. So what, what led you to that convention? Why did you, do you remember why you went? So I, I mean, I like played, you know, I, I like played games with like my, my brother with like, you know, my friends from, from like grade school and stuff. And then I was just like, I want more, right? Like I just wanted to like see more stuff out there. And frankly, you know, this was before there was really an internet. I mean, the internet existed for like the military, right? But like there weren't places to go online and talk about your favorite games. You couldn't go watch someone play, you know, D&D unless you were standing behind them at like a game st- you know, yep. game shop or convention. There was no critical role to go watch your Thursday nights or whatever. And, you know, I, I just wanted to be able to explore this more. So, you know, rather than just going to the local game store, I was like, oh, I found out, hey, there's this game convention. So, you know, I, like my brother and I convinced my, you know, our, our parents to, to take us. And then from there, I was like, oh, well, there's all these other games. I'm so curious about all these other games. And, you know, in particular, uh, like Discovered Magic there. So, And is that when you became, became immersed in this world? Uh, pretty much uh, like I, I actually use a it's funny, like I've I, I was like playing on my like uh, school. This is a grade school. You know, I was like this was like what, like sixth or seventh grade. I was What's playing on like, my age? sorry, I always for America. I, I yeah, I, w- I was like 13, 14 at the okay, time. Cool. Yeah. yeah. And uh, I remember that I, I was playing on my school's like like chess team, like chess club. And I was I would like, you know, go and like play in these like, tournaments with the school. And when I, once I started playing magic, I was like just like so bored of chess. I was just like, this is just so much more interesting to me. And I would go to the chess tournaments and find people to play magic against, you know, and I love that. I, like I, I use like an example of, of uh, this Nintendo game, actually, to, to sort of explain my mindset when I was a kid and like how I got into looking at games the way that I did is like hyper competitively, hyper analytically. Have you ever heard of the game Baseball Stars? No. Okay, so it's like a uh, it was like an original Nintendo game. It was kind of a a career simulator type thing. You were a team manager and you oh, yeah, yeah. could like, you know, but it, it, rather than like the current style of games didn't use real players. It was all like, you know, made up characters before they had any kind of like licenses with MLB or whatever yep. with any of the major properties. And the way that the game worked was like you earned money throughout the season and you could like hire and, tra- you know, hire like like rookies and train them up or you could like hire star players. And I figured out, mind you, I'm like, 11 or something like that. I figured out that like the best thing you could do was get a team of all rookies and train them up to the maximum, but that costs a lot of money. And I'm like, okay, well, I'm going to play my team against the lovely ladies team, which was the team that had the highest popularity score. And I would just play my team against that team over and over and over and intentionally walk all of their batters. And there was a mercy rule in the game and you actually earned more money in the game like over time by like losing instantly in the first inning by just walking all of their batters and getting mercy rolled in the game being over than doing anything else. So I just sat there like, like playing e- this e- over and e- over and over 11 years old. Yes. And, and, and that, that is like kind of uh, like encapsulates the mentality I had in games kind of moving from there. Like, it's like, I'm just trying to do, figure out what your game is about and, and figure out how to, how to maximize and exploit it. And uh, that works very well in something like competitive magic. It doesn't work as well in most groups when you're like playing Dungeons and Dragons, for instance. Yeah. And it's like, ah, oh, yes, I am a I'm a halfling fighter with, you know, gauntlets of ogre power. And I throw darts because darts are a thrown weapon. They get my strength bonus and I can throw like six darts around and get like plus 12 and just kill everyone instantly. And people are like, 
doesn't go over quite as well as when it's like, you know, this is what my deck is built to do and I'm going to beat you in a tournament, you know? Yeah. When, when you went to that, that first convention, you got a taste of there's more out there. What happens at that point on? Like you obviously had like school, you were still a young kid, you had mm -hmm. your, your social life. When did things start to kind of change where you became obsessed with magic? So I, like I uh, actually had like a, a bunch of different kind of periods where I, I played a ton of magic and then kind of took time off, right? When I was in high school, I actually almost got kicked out of high school. I went to a boarding school, like a prep school. I almost got kicked out of school for leaving campus to go to a magic tournament. Like I, it's kind of this long story, but like I had asked if I could, if I could go. And, the, and this one Dean said, well, you just get to, you need to get permission from your teachers. If you get permission from your teachers, I can give you permission to go. So I went and got permission from all my teachers and then like talked to my mom who like booked my tickets. Cause at the time I'm like 15 and, uh, go back and, and talk to the Dean. And she's like, actually I was wrong. I couldn't give you permission. This other Dean has to give you permission. And I go and ask him and he's just like, no, I'm like, well, I'm competing in like the junior, like pro tour. You know, I can win a ton of scholarship money. Like here's these pictures of this magazine that I was featured in from like the first pro tour I played in. And like, he's like, no, I'm like, if this was like, you know, a chess tournament, could I go? If this was like, you know, some sort of like football thing, could I go? Why is it that you won't let me go? Is it because you just don't get what I'm doing? And they're like, no, you can't go. And I, I called my mom and talked to her. And she's like, well, what happens if you go anyway? <laughs> and uh, so oh, I went. Mom, that's great. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. She, I mean, she's incredibly, incredibly, incredibly supportive. Um, especially, you know, this was back before, like, there was anyone out there really making any money from, from playing games, right? This was, like, 96, I want to say. Um, so this was, like, you know, long before the like esports industry was a thing and you could point to examples of like was it, yeah was mom even, there was like thresh right was was he when would the would, do you remember the ferrari competition that when he won the it was like 97 I, or that was like later right it was it was it was later i believe yeah um i mean so magic was actually one of the first like games where they actually had like a pro circuit like at least in the u.s right because there was like starcraft in yeah. korea um and I, you know that was like pretty big and i think like the late the late 90s as well um, but like, you know, there were, there was like, there were competitions you could go and legitimately win money. And like, that was, you know, that was something that, that like was kind of only beginning then like the first pro tour for magic I competed in, which was in 95. Right. So like, you know, it wasn't that much earlier. That, what, was that, it, what was your parents thinking? I mean, you said your mom was supportive, but like mm -hmm. you're starting to get this like friction relationship with school at this point, you're kind of rebelling against school because you like magic more. What was your parents feeling? I mean, they like my uh, my mom was she was always very supportive. Um, she, you know, I mean, she she looked at the situation with the schools like, why in the world wouldn't they let you go? You know, it doesn't make sense. You know, like she was she was like supportive. She wanted me to be able to like do what it was that I was passionate about doing. And, you know, she obviously was like trying to avoid me getting into any kind of like trouble in school. But like when when like. The rules don't make sense. And and by the way, I went back to like a reunion uh, for my, my high school a few years ago. Um, and they like my because uh, I when I got like in trouble, I got like put on like probation, disciplinary probation. So if I got in trouble again, basically, they would kick me out of school. And um, the the teacher um, who was like my disciplinary counselor. He says that to this day, he uses the example of of my sort of disciplinary case as like what they shouldn't do. 
Oh, wow. Because it's like, he's like, listen, the school exists to support the students and and allow them to like reach their goals and try to, you know, like excel in the ways in which they excel. And for the school to say, because of what it is that you do, you know, that you're trying to excel at, we're going to get in your way of doing this. He's like, he he says that he thinks that they got it entirely wrong. And that like, because like when I, when I came back to and I had to go through like this, the disciplinary committee thing. Part of the reason I got like, you know, as harsh a punishment as I did is they said that I wasn't remorseful for what I had done. I'm like, of course I'm not. I did, you know, like, I'm not wrong here. It is so wild <laughs> that, that that point in your life could have went so differently. Oh, yeah. Oh, absolutely. And like the chapter that's playing out or the whole journey you've been playing out mm-hmm. could be entirely different if that one thing went differently. Yeah. And, you know, I mean, I, frankly, like I, you know, that whole situation kind of got me a little bit disillusioned about like school. You know, like about the, 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 the my situation at the, at the uh, the school that I was at, and, and you know, I I like uh, like part of the way that I reacted to it was like, you know, I think just generally pretty negatively. I was like sort of withdrawn from a lot of things at school, and then eventually kind of came to the the um, the realization. I'm like, listen, you know, and this is me talking to myself. Listen, <laughs> um, you know, you you only have the opportunity that you have right now to take advantage of the experiences that you could have here and now, right? So actually, I actually, my senior year of school, despite, you know, the, the, the kind of tensions that I'd had, um, and, uh, and whatnot, I, I decided I'm like, okay, I'm gonna, I'm gonna actually like quit playing magic for now. I'm gonna quit trying to compete in games for now and take advantage of the opportunities that I have here and now. Like, for instance, I, I wrestled in high school and, um, you know, while while the you know nowadays it's like you know I do like fitness streams as part of you know stuff that I do now. I was not in shape in high school. You know, like I I was recruited to the te- the wrestling team by friends as like a heavyweight, right? <laughs> like my freshman year, I weighed like two hundred and thirty pounds, and it was not like lineman two thirty. It was like you know yeah. South Park guy two thirty. Yeah. Um. And and you know I was like I'm gonna do this because this is something that, that you know is a new unique challenge that I want to try to take on now while I can, right? Because when I leave here, there will still be game tournaments to go compete in, right? But I won't necessarily have the opportunity to like, you know, do the things with my friends in school now or like, you know, like try to do these different things like wrestling, right? And I, and I think that, that, you know, a lot of people, they look at like someone, you know, who is successful in, in a field and kind of think that they, they, they have to like give up everything else to do that. And I think that one of the important things to sort of recognize is that can be true, right? Like some people, someone, someone can excel because they don't do anything else in their life. But, but I actually think that finding other ways to challenge yourself outside of sort of the core thing that you're focusing on can be really important too, because it can make you learn different lessons about yourself and how to succeed in ways that you didn't really understand before, right? Like I, I actually point to, like, despite the fact that like, you know, I never, I didn't wrestle in college or anything like that, right? Like I didn't go on to do anything else with, with that experience. I think that going from being, you know, gamer kid who, you know, like spent all his time focused on like, you know, that sort of thing to like starting for my school's varsity wrestling team my senior year. And like the challenge of that, that kind of path, uh, it, it was like one of the most formative things for me being able to tackle things that I'm uh, are outside of my comfort zone now. Yep. Right. That it's like learning how to do things that don't necessarily come naturally to you. No, that's, that's totally true. I remember um, thinking about this when I was competing as well, that it was so easy to focus on being the best player at the game. 
mm -hmm. then you remember you're in a team game. Yeah. And that's an entirely different skill set in terms of how you, the interpersonal relationships that you have on a team. And if you were solely focused on being the best player you could possibly be, you actually would not win any championships mm -hmm. as a result of that. Um, yeah. Yeah. I mean, there's, there's, there's lots of things that like kind of are, are even like, you know, soft skills that, you know, like in terms of, I mean, whether it's like things, you know, within game, outside of game, you know, the way that you relate to your, you know, other players, if they want to play with you, right. Especially in a team sort of game, if you're, if, you know, like, I, I think it was, there was something on the LCS broadcast recently. It was like, you know, which of these, you know, players you'd rather have in your team is like someone who is like you know mechanically the best really good teammate and it's like i would rather have a really good teammate because if someone's mechanically the best but they're a total jerk and they just like you know make everyone angry if they're around them you know it's like that's going to influence how the how the team dynamic works so that play i firsthand too many too many times <laughs> kibler in my in my days uh I want to. I want to go back to your your the kind of arc. So, did you did, did you go to college? Did you not? Go I to did. College? You did. You I did go to college. college. Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, and was that uh, you felt motivated to go to college? Was there resistance in that? So, I mean, I I went to college, and while I was at in college, like I went to Emory University in Atlanta, um, and the uh, I actually had a lot of a lot of friends in college who were like you know when I was traveling because that I actually my senior year as I mentioned I, I like stopped playing Magic. I went to college and I was like okay, I'm going to like try and like focus on this experience and, you know, not, not kind of like, you know, go back to, to, you know, focusing on magic or whatever at that point. But then I just got so bored. Right. I was like going to, you know, class, going to like fraternity parties and stuff. And I'm like, this is just, this is just not challenging. This is not, you know, exciting. This is, this is just basically just boring. Right. Yeah. And I'm like, okay, I've had, I've had enough of like trying to just have this like typical college experience, whatever and started playing magic again um and i got back into competing and started traveling to tournaments um it was actually when i was it's my fresh or no sophomore year of college when i uh, made my first like top eight like really good finish at a uh, magic pro tour and it was funny because um i had had i had like a work study when i was in college i was like a scholarship kid whatever um and i like had a work study in the the theater department i was like building sets for the theater and but I, uh, I, this is like kind of like my after school job each day. And it, eventually I was like, okay, I like, I'm going to quit this job, this work study job, because it takes up too much time that I want to spend practicing for this tournament coming up. And I, I, I ended up making top eight. I got third in the tournament and I won $15,000, right? That's a as lot. A, as, a so, I, as a sophomore in college, and this is, this is like, what, the year, this is 2000. This is yeah. the year 2000. And, you know, especially then, that was a lot of money, right? Yeah. And I deposited that in my bank account, and my bank account balance was $15,025 because <laughs> I was just broke, right? And I'm like, well, good thing I did well at that tournament after quitting my job. And that's another one of those things. It's like, well, what happens if I did, if I did poorly there, right? If, it, yeah. if like, you know, if I... Because a lot of, especially stuff like card games, right? There's a lot of randomness. You, you have to get lucky, even if you're the best player, you know, to do exceptionally well, right? Like there, there, there can certainly be instances where like, you know, you are entirely carried by your play skill throughout an entire tournament and, and you win. But like with, you know, you, you at least have to not get really unlucky, yep. <laughs> you know, in order, in order to win. Um, and, and frankly, the same is true in a lot of games that don't necessarily have the same perception of luck because like, you know, a lot of uh, like in, in like, you know, like League of Legends, for instance, like if you just 
you know, your team like happens to walk into the wrong brush at level one, it can totally distort the way the rest of the game plays out. Right. And like, that's not necessarily like, while there's an element of strategy and skill to that in terms of your preparation and studying patterns and things like that, there's still luck, right? Like literally like, you know, even like chess, you could get lucky and make a good move that you didn't know why it was good. You just made the good move. So I I think it's really important for anyone in any kind of, uh, of gaming space to like recognize that like, so, some percentage of people's success, anyone's success, is due to luck. And I, you know, I think that especially like when you reflect on your own success, right? Like, like I was saying, if, if that tournament, like, you know, I get 80th instead of third, do I continue competing? Can I continue competing? I have $25 in my bank account, yeah. right? And it's <laughs> not know? only your own journey, it's like the people around you, you've got yeah. the, they're, they're building their own stories and kind of judging you for what you're doing. And then that plays into what you actually end up doing as and well. The level of support that you get from your community, you know, yep. the level of support you get from your family. You know, I'm obviously, like I said, you know, my, my mom was super supportive. My dad did when I, when I graduated from college, he's like, you're going to get a real job now. And I'm like, I don't <laughs> think you understand what's going on here. Really? That's and, uh, so, so you're in college and you graduated college. Mm-hmm. You, did you graduate college? Yeah. That's what, yeah. Mm-hmm. I have a very useful degree in philosophy and religious studies. Probably played very well for content it, later well, on the delight. It, it's actually it's actually interestingly like one of the most common degrees among game designers because the sort of structured logical thinking of of like philosophy in terms of like like rule systems and like you know uh, things like that for for games actually translates pretty well. It's like That's that really like computer yeah. programming. Yeah. Interestingly enough, That's fascinating. So you, did you go get a to your dad's point? Did you go get a real job? No, no, I, I, uh, I graduated from, from college and actually that was when I decided I'm, I'm going to spend like a year at like, uh, just playing games, right? I'm just going to compete. And this is when I was like traveling the world to compete in magic tournaments. Um, but like, this was also before there was like YouTube, right? There's before YouTube existed before Twitch existed. So like there were these tournaments, right? But there was like maybe a tournament a month. And there wasn't like streaming. There wasn't like, you know, really like video content creation. I wrote articles for websites. I was actually the, the managing editor of like a strategy website for magic. And that was actually like a lot of my income because, you know, there, there wasn't enough money in the game because there wasn't enough money in like sort of you know, content creation yeah. and stuff. And, and, and frankly, like a game like magic is actually particularly interesting because most of the money in magic comes from the cards. The people who sell the cards, whether it's the company itself, which is the coast that makes the cards and sells them, or like third party companies um, that like buy and sell cards in the secondary market. Um, and they would like, you know, for instance, uh, I wrote for at that time uh, a website called Brainburst, which then became TCG Player um, down the line. Um, but they like, the strategy websites paid like very well relative to like what you'd expect someone who doesn't necessarily have like that much experience writing. And even frankly, relative to people who like, you know, write for like big publications because, you know, someone like reads an article about like a deck in magic. Right. And they're like, Ooh, that deck sounds cool. I want to buy it. And they just immediately buy cards from the website. That's the reason these websites pay money for you to write articles uh, about the game on their website. Right. Um, yeah, it was kind of kind of funny when I started playing Hearthstone. I was like writing blog posts on like my own website, and people were like, "Hey, you should write for us." And they're like, "You know, we'll pay you twenty five bucks." And I'm like, at the time, I was being paid like six hundred dollars an article for Magic content. Yeah. <laughs> like, I I'll just write for my own blog. Thanks. <laughs> like at that point, it's it's really I mean, it's, it's almost there's some similarities there to 
microtransactions in, in free to play mm -hmm. games. That you know the reason esports exists is because this game is like League of Legends is got, is making so much money off the core yeah. game itself. Mm -hmm. uh, on the on the Magic uh, side, so you're you're competing, you're traveling a lot. How was that experience, and how long did that go on for? So you, you're coming out of college, you're traveling all over the world. So that that particular uh, that particular time was. Uh, it was that was particularly like kind of a rough time because that was right after I graduated from college and I was competing and like, you know, like at the time, like I just graduated from college, I stayed living in Atlanta, which is where you know I had gone to college, but most people I knew had kind of moved away. Um, and I ended up like moving in with some friends of mine, um, one of whom was actually a, a magic uh, secondary market card dealer. <laughs> um, and the other, you know, the other whom all like both of whom I knew through magic. Um, and as I was saying, there wasn't really that much to do. There was maybe a tournament a month at the time. Um, so I actually ended up have, spending more of my time playing online poker. Mm. <laughs> um, so there's obviously a lot of overlap in terms of like people who compete in you know magic, people who compete in like online poker or, or just poker tournaments, poker, whatever in general. I have lots of friends. Like it's actually because um, this was 2004, like 2003, 2004. Uh, my friend Dave actually got second in the World Series of Poker in 2002. Wow. <laughs> or, was it, or was it 2003? It was one of them. It was 2003 that he got second. Yeah. Um, and, and you know, I have, I have like a bunch of friends who like, you know, like were very successful in the, you know, World Series of Poker world. There's the poker world in general. Um, and I was like, okay, I'm going to, you know, kind of kind of try this out because I know that, you know, a bunch of people who, who I'm friends with are, you know, having a lot of success in this area. Um, and I actually was, was like pretty successful, uh, but I hated it. Right. Was because this, was this, were you more successful in poker than you were in magic? I was, I was financially from, more successful yeah, from a in poker. Standpoint, yes. Yeah, yeah. Because as I was saying, there was like maybe a tournament a month in magic. Most of them didn't necessarily pay that well. There was no, other than like writing a strategy article a week for the website or whatever. Like I didn't have another source of like income from playing games. And especially in a game like magic, there's dramatically diminishing returns in terms of like, how valuable it is to is it to practice because like things change so frequently with new card sets released and like you know you can only gain so much of an edge through just like get, getting you know a, a minuscule amount better from practice that it's like what do I spend my time doing and I'm like all right well I'm gonna I'm gonna try playing poker and I was making much more money from poker than I was from playing magic but like as I said I I just hated it because it was like at the you know at the beginning of the day at the end of the day it's like the only thing that's different is like how much money is in my account you know like from from uh uh like my my balance and my poker side or whatever and like no matter how well you do and it, it kind of there's a translation in in like you know like other card games to to poker etc in terms of like you you know you can do the right thing and still get unlucky and lose yep. but like it is kind of distilled to its purest form when you're just playing like uh you know eight hours of poker in a day. Like I was like multi-tabling. This is like back in like the, I think the party poker or poker stars days. Um, and like, I was playing like six, like six tables at once, which is not even that much compared to like today. People will play like 27 at once or whatever. And like all this ridiculous nonsense, but this is before you had like poker huds and things like that, that, that helped with a lot of that information to be able to digest things on multiple tables at once. Um, but yeah, I was just, I got so burnt out on it that I was like, like there's actually, uh, uh, you know, one weekend or whatever where like, you know, I, I just like got like, uh, you know, super unlucky in one particular hand that I that like just basically broke me. <laughs> and I'm just like, 
I was just like, I'm done. I'm not playing anymore. Like, I can't take this anymore. Like, broke, broke you? As in? No, no not as in, like, I was broken. Like, okay, not, okay. like ran out of money. But, like, yeah, yeah. As, as in, like, you know, I, I just, like, like, got up from my laptop and was, like, yelling. Oh. <laughs> and for people who know, like, my persona from, like, playing a lot of games, I have a very even-keeled person, right? Like, I don't, I don't, like, get upset about getting unlucky. And part of it is because of having these experiences in the past where it's, like, you know, when when you've like gotten, you know, gotten super unlucky in like a tournament, you know, for like tens of thousands of dollars or a hand of poker for thousands of thousands of dollars. When you like, you know, get unlucky in a game of Hearthstone or whatever, like just randomly on the ladder, it's like, yep, okay. Yep. yep. <laughs> is what it is. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. So I want to fast forward a little bit to the content creation side. Mm -hmm. Like a lot of this content is important because it's it's helped you get to where you are today and do what you are doing yeah. today. You we're very competitive at Magic. You've kind of mm -hmm. got a name for yourself. Um, you're doing poker on the side. When did you start dabbling in, con I mean, writing is content, but when did you mm -hmm. start creating video-based content? So I actually uh, basically like went from, after I, I spent that year like kind of competing in Magic full-time slash playing online poker full-time, I decided that like, you know what, this isn't really something that like is, like has a future at that point, right? Um, and I actually, you know, right behind me, there's all these all these trophies from tournaments. But like, I uh, I, I competed in a, a tournament for a, a new card game at the time called Versus System, um, which is actually the clear plastic trophy you can barely see right there. Um, and I won their first like big tournament. Um, and uh, first prize for that tournament was forty thousand dollars, which I actually ended up splitting with some friends of mine who were also competing uh, and also made like the top eight of that tournament. Um, and then I got an offer from the company that made that game to go work on their game. Oh, wow. um, so that was actually the beginning of me, like kind of taking time away from competing and working as a game designer. So I worked I, I worked on um, the versus system card game as a uh, which is a, like a superhero Marvel versus DC card game. Um, I worked on that for about a year or so before uh, I moved over to work on the World of Warcraft trading card game. Um, and I was the head developer of the original WoW TCG, which for, for people who are like Hearthstone fans, it's particularly funny because, um, Ben Brode, who was like game director of Hearthstone, kind of the face of Hearthstone for a long time. I worked with him at, he was the, uh, the creative development, like liaison or one of the creative development liaisons from Blizzard, who our team working on the WoW TCG worked with, um, cause the, uh, the company that I worked for was called Upper Deck. Mm -hmm. Um, and, and so it's it just kind of funny because like then we, you know, he was the game director for Hearthstone and I was like, you know, making content for Hearthstone years later. Um, you know, it's kind of funny how that, that it's well, a small world. Small, it's a small yeah, world. Very, yeah. very small world. How, so, um, how did you find one, one question I have is like the, the competitive side, how did that translate into actual game development? Because mm -hmm. I've always thought there's like a difference. Like even though you can be very good at a game, mm -hmm. translating that into game theory and game mechanics and making a beautiful, good game. How did that it, translate for you? It's 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 a learning process, right? Because there's definitely like a lot of times when people are competitive players and they go from being a competitive player to being a designer. And, and especially that like there's a lot of people will go from being a competitive player to being basically like a, a balanced designer. Right. Because like um, they the, you know, their focus is on like, you know, what what is like fair, not necessarily what is fun. Yep. And but like it's actually important in both ways, right? Because it doesn't matter if your game is perfectly balanced if it's no fun, right? Like, and one of the one of the things that um, I I actually end up discussing a lot when people ask me my opinion on on things, um, you know, with like balance and say Hearthstone, for instance, um, 
that I, I often find that I need to express is that like a game being balanced isn't necessarily like, you know, imbalanced in the sense that like everything is the equivalent power level is not even the goal. Right. Like a lot of people are like, oh, this game is unbalanced. These things aren't the same power level. They like point to like, you know, like a random common and a legendary, for instance, in Hearthstone. It's like, oh, this card's more you know, more powerful. It's like power creep imbalance. Oh, it's like that's not wrong. You know, the, the, their goal is to make the game as fun as possible, not as balanced as possible. And in order to make a game as fun as possible, there's often imbalances to make the thing that is more fun better than the thing that is less fun. You know, like if, if everything was exactly the same power level, it wouldn't be, you know, discovering what the best thing was wouldn't even be possible. Right. Because yep. it's just everything's the same. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, I think that that one of the perspectives that people have coming from competitive play is they want everything to be balanced. So the player who makes the best decisions always wins. And it's just not a fun game. At that well, point. right. You know, you might as well go play Go, right? Like, yeah. uh, you know, when, when people are like, oh, this is too good. Like, you know, why don't they, why don't like the best player win all the time? And like, there's lots of games that have tried to do that, right? There's lots of games historically. I mean, frankly, Versus System, the game that I, I won their first tournament and I worked on for like a long time. I think the big part of the reason that game failed was because it was too hard. You know, like there was just, there was so many decisions to make every single turn of every single game that were extremely difficult. And the better player won almost all the time in that game. Like the, the best players won at a, at, a, at a rate that was like way higher than most card games. Um, and the game like like just slowly bled off players because the best player always winning isn't fun. Yeah. Right. You know, you need to have and you know, like to say nothing of like there's other things that could have done in the design outside of just the complexity slash advantage for the better player that could make it more appealing to more people. Um, but. I think that there's a lot of a lot of game designers, especially who come from competitive backgrounds, who who view the better player winning at like an extremely high rate to be like a goal. When I think, if anything, that's actually something that drives a lot of players away from a lot of games, which isn't to say you don't want good players to have an advantage, you know, and I'm again specifically talking about card games, right? Like something like a fighting game, you know, if the better player basically is going to win every time. Right, like where it's purely like you know, there's, there's not random we, moments. We went through right? this in, in League of Legends, the same thing. Like us pro players, were you mm -hmm. know always pushing for advocating for balance, and it was you know the irony is we were like point zero 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 one percent of the player base, and we were like fighting for balance. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and it's it is it is really important to to look at the perspective you know of like other other players. Like people have asked me like, what do you think the most you know important? Uh, characteristic is in like a game designer and and I think that the answer that I frequently give is is pretty unusual which is I, I say empathy which is to be able to look at the perspective of, of other people and not just your own because it's very easy to get kind of caught up in like this is what I like and this is the sort of game that I'm going to make and have that game not appeal to other people or have that game you know not like resonate with uh, with a certain segment of your audience who, who like likes different things than you do or like, you know, isn't as good at the game, right? Like if, if someone who just like happens to not be good at a game can't have fun playing it, you're dramatically shrinking your possible audience. So, you know, you're, you're like just, and, and if you could say, oh, well, this is, this is a game for casuals. It's like, okay, well, you're just saying your game isn't going to be successful. If you, and, like, and that's the thing, you have to think about like, incentives, right? At the end of the day, yeah. this is a company that wants to build a business yeah. And it's like the incentive is to make the game as fun to as many people as possible. Mm -hmm. it, it was interesting. When, yeah. When when certain games take a different model, like it, League, I feel, was actually very hard to learn mm -hmm. to play. I, I do think that League has like a really steep learning curve. Yeah. Um, but I, I also think that League, like 
if you look at like part of the reason I think League was successful is because it was a friendlier game than the other games in the space, mm-hmm. like compared yeah. to Dota, right? Yeah. And I got a lot of people who like, you know, I'll like stream League of Legends and they're like, why you play League? Why don't you play Dota? And I'm like, because I think League's a better game than Dota. And they're like, well, but but Dota rewards skill. This is kind of exactly the sort of thing I'm saying. They're like, oh, it's more skill rewarding because you can like deny creeps and things like that. I'm like, okay. Well, like denying creeps is like so unintuitive, like, right? Like if, if the most important thing that like I can do, fun. yeah, it's, <laughs> if, the, if the most important thing I can do in a game is kill my own unit, right? It's like, well, that's so like uh, against what you would assume. It's like, what I should do is kill my opponent stuff. It's like, no, no, no. The true like 500 IQ play is to kill your own stuff. And then like, that's just so ingrained in people who've like been Dota players for so long that yeah. the idea of not having that you know, like kind of, kind of freaks them out. And, and I, I, I like use the example. They're like, people are like, oh, it, it makes the game more skill testing. It's, it's harder. It's like, well, you could also have a game where like, let's say you're just playing Dota, but you also have to balance a, a tray of glasses in your head at the same time. It's harder. Is it a better game? <laughs> Absolutely not. It's also really dangerous. So don't do it. Uh. But, but like, you know, it's, it, it, because people like they look at like it, it makes it more challenging. That makes it better. It's like no, it not at all. And like you can see like the, you know, the just huge surge in popularity for League of Legends, which is like had cleaner cleaner UI graphics, even though it was like you know kind of a mess itself. But like just didn't didn't kind of slavishly uh, follow the things that Dota fanatics thought you had to do, and managed to like explode into the space and become you know more successful. And, and I think that a lot of the changes they made along the way have been like recent like the recent item rework right and the shop rework in league like a lot of that makes the game like a lot easier to follow with like recommended items that it's like shows you why they're recommended rather than just being things on a screen and you know just lots of stuff that i think makes the game more straightforward yep. even though it's still super complicated right there's and a lot it, of depth it, even though yeah it is catered to if you go up above like challenger um grandmaster it is starts to get a lot of depth but mm-hmm. on the way up i think there's a lot of the barrier to entry is definitely lower. I remember when I first played it, I actually quit it. I remember the first three months, I, I was like, this is too hard. I'd never played Dota. So I was like, <laughs> yeah. this is like a different game for me. And I was mm-hmm. like, I can't, I can't do this. And I want to go, so you're in the game design side of things. Coming into content creation, how did you get into that? So basically, like I had, like, like I said, I'd worked, I'd worked at this company, Upper Deck. I worked there for a while, ended up leaving, going to another company, working there briefly on like a kid's card game called Chaotic. Um, and then ended up like making uh, like founding a game company with some friends of mine. Uh, have you ever played the the uh, deck building game Ascension? I briefly, yeah, I didn't play a lot of it, but I remember the the hype. There was a lot of hype around so that, we, and I played it a bit. We made that. I'm one of the designers of that game. Wow. Um, and <laughs> we we actually were uh, we had done a Kickstarter for a digital card game called Soulforge. Um, which we, you know, we, we, this was like back in, I want to say 2012, 2011, yep. 2012. Um, and, you know, like at the time there were no good digital card games and we're like, we're going to, we're going to make our own. And there wasn't that much competition in the space. Um, and like, we're going to, we're going to make one. And like, it was, it was this team of people who'd worked on a bunch of different games, you know, like, like several of us had, were, had like tons of experience, competitive magic. We worked on, like I said, versus system, um, wow tcg and we got we got like a lot of support from the community to make it and then literally the day we went into our open beta um which was actually at pax um at pax east um hearthstone was announced (laughs) so we went from like having all this interest in people who were like you know oh wow this i I remember the feel at that time you know i played a couple of games but 
the league community was very synced up with the with the magic community at that mm -hmm. time and i remember ascension just being like top of the top of mind for yeah, a lot of people yeah yeah oh and and like that was a big part of why we were able to do the the kickstarter we did for soulforge was because ascension you know was really popular had done really well people really liked it um and that was actually kind of amusingly um my sort of first foray into influencer marketing was <laughs> was selling ascension to everyone <laughs> you know it was like using my social media accounts to push it everywhere um, which was also funny because like the, the owner of one of the previous companies that worked for was like, Hey, I love what you're doing, promoting Ascension. Can you do this for our games? <laughs> um, but, uh, but yeah. And, and, uh, you know, around that time, like the Hearthstone was released and I was playing it in like the, you know, in beta and whatnot. And I was like, you know, a, uh, like I'm having a lot of fun playing Hearthstone B there's no way that we're going to be able to be successful with the resources that we have available and this, the, like what we what we have gotten, to, you know, to this point, like in the face of the level of competition that we're facing from Hearthstone and other games that are now releasing in the wake of Hearthstone's success to compete with Hearthstone, right? Yeah. Like it, we we had launched in this space because it was like relatively uh, relatively underexplored. And, you know, we're trying to be kind of a first mover and then got shoved out of the way by like the elephant in the room that is Blizzard, right? Yeah. And I was like, okay, well, you know, like for, for a while, I actually resisted streaming Hearthstone because I'm like, oh, it's a competitor to our game. Then I'm like, we're not a competitor to their game. Who am I kidding? Right. Was that, was that, was that a humbling or at what point? Because I'm uh, guessing there was a bit of ego in that initially. Like, you know, we're yeah, going to make I mean, a better game. There, there, there was. And, you know, there was definitely like when, when Hearthstone first released, I was, you know, like hypercritical of a lot of, a lot of elements of it. Um, and I mean, I think I think to some degree, rightly so. I think there are elements, especially in Hearthstone's release, that like you know, they could have done a better job with. And yeah, I, I think that over time they've definitely done a much better job. Um, but like you know, eventually I was like, no, they're doing a, a good job. And you know, they're this multi-billion-dollar company, and we're like you know, like a handful of of friends in like our apartment, like living room, and we're not gonna we're not gonna beat them, right? And, and it wasn't even just like you know, we because we were like kind of. Yeah, we like rushed to get some stuff out to like be able to like, you know, keep funding the development of the game. And like, you know, uh, that the timing of everything was just horrible for us. Right. Like it was it was about the worst possible scenario of like we had just begun to like kind of pick up sort of steam in like, like a year before that. It yeah, great, exactly. Exactly. Yeah. So I'm, like, I'm not even joking. It's like literally the day we went into our open beta was the day that Hearthstone was announced. It was exactly the same at like PAX East. Um, and, you know. I, I was like, okay, well, I spent like another, uh, another like, you know, year or so, six months to a year being like, I'm going to see what I can do. Like, you know, maybe we can, we can get this together and make this work. And it just, it just didn't seem like, you know, like it was, it was going to be able to be successful to the level that we had hoped. And frankly, I wasn't enjoying it that much anymore. You know, a lot of, a lot of what goes into game design when you are, especially in a, in a smaller team isn't actually working on games, right? It's stuff like marketing. It's stuff like, you know, press. It's stuff like, you know, like organizing, scheduling things like, you know, various promotional stuff, whatever. And like, it stopped being the stuff that I had as much fun doing and, yep. and like really was passionate about. And the idea, I actually went to BlizzCon, I want to say 2014, um, and was talking to some people in the Hearthstone community and they were talking about how, you know, like you could be really successful streaming, right? That like streaming was like legitimately like a career at that point. And I, I wasn't really aware at that time. I had like streamed on Twitch. I started streaming on Twitch. I want to say in like 2011, yep. you know, um, 
And I'd like basically streamed magic like casually just because people, you know, I actually had people who, you know, like from Twitch who were who were magic fans who were like, hey, we, we would love to have you come stream and like, you know, like like play magic on our platform. Like, you know, they like literally remote desktoped in to set me up because this was like way <laughs> back was, in the day. It was, right. It was very janky. Back it was like, then. yeah. Um, and, you know, like. I was like, okay, well, I was doing it from time to time. And then I was like, all right, well, I'm going to try spending half my time streaming, like half my day streaming, half working on game design stuff, you know? Um, and that went well enough initially that I'm like, okay, I'm just going to, I'm just going to switch to full-time streaming. And that was when in- When you say well enough, just for those listening, like what kind of sense of audience are you getting when so you're I, like, this is well enough? I mean, I, I was in obviously in a really unique situation compared to the average of, person, yeah, yeah. right? Because as, as I was saying, like, people literally were trying to get me to stream when I started streaming. It wasn't like, you know, I'm going to turn my, my webcam on and play a game and hope someone comes to watch. It was like, you demand hey, already. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Like, when people are like, oh, how'd you, how'd you, like, you know, grow your stream so fast? It's like, well, I spent 25 years competing and, and making games. Here's, here's the playbook. Just here's, spend the next few decades. Here's the, here's the, <laughs> you're, you're like, you know, you're, you're, like guide to 25 year overnight success or whatever, you know? Um, so yeah, it's so like my first streams had thousands of viewers, right? Like, which is obviously like not the case that anyone, you know, realistically who's, who's not coming from that kind of background is ever going to have. Um, but like, you know, I, I recognized pretty early on that it was like, okay, if I want to do this, like for a living that I need to uh, treat it like a job. Right. And uh, like right off the bat, I, I kind of set a schedule for myself and even when I was doing it like part time, I had like this, you know, kind of part time schedule that like I did like my game design work in the morning and then streamed in the afternoon. This particular time that I'd come on and stream each day. And then and then like when I decided I was going to go full time, you know, I, I was like, OK, well, this is my schedule, you know, and I've, I've had basically the same schedule since I started f- streaming full time, like almost six years ago, which is like, although it's, I, it basically just keeps creeping earlier because my dog wakes me up earlier and earlier as he's getting older <laughs> and he's a demanding grumpy toilet. old fellow. Give me <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, so, um, it, you know, like I said, it's, it's obviously a, a weird scenario to be coming from like as, as significant a background as I had kind of in games to like, you know, just sort of start streaming out of nowhere. Cause it's like, it was also like kind of the beginning of like Twitch's real growth, I think. Yeah. At, around that around that time, it was like you know twenty twenty thirteen through twenty fifteen was like when when like Twitch was really starting to starting to explode, um, and yeah, it, it was like uh, basically the I think it was the release of the first full expansion in Hearthstone is when I started like streaming part time, and then like the next spring was when I was like, all right, I'm just gonna go full time. Did your how did your relationship change with because like you were a competitor and that's like one level of obsession. Mm-hmm. Then there's the game design where it's like you're really intimately thinking about the back end and now you're doing content and it's like a job. So are mm-hmm. you, has the element of fun changed for you? Like, are you having? Yeah. Well, so one of the one of the things like, for instance, obviously my background uh, is largely in magic, right? But I don't really stream much magic now. I stream magic now and then, but I don't stream as much magic as I do, say, Hearthstone. Part of that is because I started streaming with Hearthstone because Hearthstone, like when I when I started streaming, had like a much better digital client right like magic only released mpg arena which is like their good digital client like a few years ago but also like i have more fun streaming like hearthstone because i can have like the way that my brain associates with it isn't like just this hyper competitive sense that i have with magic you know when when i'm like playing magic 
the the like kind of primal instincts of like my competitor brain kind of kick in. Yeah. Right. And I'm like, okay, I got to win. Right. As opposed to like, you know, I, I feel like I can explore more like kind of crazy, weird, wacky things in, in Hearthstone and enjoy them. Whereas like trying to play a lot of those decks, you know, when I'm playing in magic, it's just like, you know, I, I just bristle against it, right? Like outside of, you know, I, I do like a show with like day nine we where we just kind of play, you know, wacky user submitted decks. And I have a lot of fun doing that, but I, I like don't have the urge to build those kind of decks on my own ever. Whereas in Hearthstone, it's like, I love building like all these like we, like decks that w- win in like weird ways and like kind of play out totally differently. And and I think that, you know, like the, the way that I have kind of been trained to think about magic precludes me from approaching it in the same way that I can approach Hearthstone. What's um over the last six years, as you mentioned, being kind of full time, um, there's doing live content, which is, you know, a, you're a live entertainer. Um, and mm-hmm. then there's the VOD content. How have you found either one of those in your relationship with them over the last six years? I mean, I, most of what I, I tend to do is, is live stuff, you know, like most of even like the, the, you know, uh, the stuff that I put up on YouTube tends to just be like clipped stuff, you know, like, like highlights from, uh, from the games that I'm playing on my stream live. Um, I do really enjoy doing kind of more like deep dive analytical stuff, which kind of brings out the game designer side, right? Like I'm really well known in the Hearthstone community for, for doing these videos where I talk about, you know, what I perceive to be issues in the Hearthstone scene, whether it's like, you know, with game design stuff, their esports program, whatever. Um, actually just recently they announced, um, that they're, they're switching to this, uh, core set model, which is literally something I've been advocating for, for years, which is pretty hilarious. Cause I'm like, ah, I am the core set prophet. <laughs> um, but like, yeah, there are people who joke that like, I'm like secretly a member of the design team. Cause they just keep doing the sort of things that I say. Uh, but I, you know, like they're, I, I'm actually good friends with a number of people on the Hearthstone design team and they're smart people who, you know, <laughs> they just, they have their own good ideas and they understand good ideas when they hear them. So yep. That's that's real. When you're um when you're thinking about your con, do you have a team around you nowadays? Do you have support infrastructure? Right, it was like it was the the Kibler show for mm-hmm. a long time. Have you managed to build a support system around you? Um, I I mean I work with like an agency and I work with uh, a couple of editors on a regular basis. Um, but I, I do most of the stuff myself. Like not the editing for my 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 videos or anything like that. I I'm I'm horrible at that. And anytime I've tried to do it, I'm like, uh, I will spend way too much time trying to do this and it'll end up worse than like if I, you know, just hire someone to do it for me. So have you have you ever thought about packing it in? Not really. You know, like I I love what I do. Um, I mean, part of part of what like I, as I was saying, like when I was whether it was when I was competing or when I was working in game design, like I couldn't really do the like what I wanted to do as my job in in a lot of cases in in you know in both of those like when I was competing a lot of what I had to do was like write articles to make money or play poker to make money right and when I was working in game design it was like a lot of what I had to do was you know the emailing and spreadsheets and market you know market research or whatever that like wasn't really what I was passionate about whereas when I'm streaming and when I'm doing content creation. I get to play games. I get to talk about games. It's the stuff that I love doing, right? Like it's the stuff that I loved about the previous things that I I did involved in the space, um, but like in its purest form, right? Like there are definitely elements of it that like, you know, aren't necessarily my favorite, you know, things like going over metrics and sending them to potential sponsors and stuff like that. But it's, it's it's a much smaller segment than 
everything else that I've I've ended up kind of having to do in other jobs in the gaming space um, compared to what it is that I actually really enjoy. One of the things that, that um, just hearing your journey and watching your content over the years is like you're authentically you. Um, mm -hmm. Like you get to be you. Yeah. Which I think a lot of content creators lose. Um, mm -hmm. like whether it's because they're so on like Fortnite or, or the, whatever the hype game is at that moment in time, it's all about the game rather than them. Mm -hmm. Whereas I think you have a storied history in the industry, but you get to be you. Yeah, I mean, I, and I think that like in order to in order to to be able to do this kind of thing for you know as long as I have, you know, like it's it's difficult to like keep up a show, right? To like you know be and, and part of it like you know I have people who ask me like you know oh well you know. Like, aren't you going to try this new hot streaming game or whatever? It's like, eh, you know, I'm going to play what I want to play, right? Like, and obviously, like, you know, they, they, there's there's ebbs and flows to the the popularity of any game. Yep. Um, and, you know, in particular, like, as games get, you know, like a game like Hearthstone, right? Like Hearthstone, there's a lot of people who are like, oh, Hearthstone's dying. It's like, well, Hearthstone's not the most popular it's ever been. But to say it's dying is ridiculous because it's still way more popular than the vast majority of other games out there. And that's the sort of thing like, you know, like that it's important as a content creator to sort of identify. It's like, OK, well, let's say Hearthstone did just die tomorrow. Right. What would I do? And it's like, well, I could play magic i could play you know any number of other like you know card games and likely be able to draw in a lot of the audience that i had um playing hearthstone to those you know especially if they, they can't go watch hearthstone anymore yep. um so i mean like there's but there's definitely is like sort of the the um if you peg yourself too much to a particular thing um you can you can definitely be in trouble if that thing goes away as a content creator yeah no it's totally i think a lot of content creators that find a lot of success early um kind of face that challenge especially mm -hmm. the fortnite ones it was a huge craze of explosive yeah. growth around fortnite and then fortnite just kind of faded in popularity and there was a lot of them just facing like what do i do now? Mm -hmm. um how have you through those ebbs and flows over the last few decades how have you kind of mentally weathered those events when the analytics are going down like because they inevitably do yeah um, and then they go back up again like how have you dealt with that over the years I mean, I like part of it is is to not focus on it, right? Like one of the things I I, t I make a point of like turning off my viewer numbers when I'm streaming. Like I don't I don't want to be fixated on like you know how many people are watching at any given time. Yeah, you know, I, I I and I will like click up, click on it and be like, ooh, let's let's look like briefly, <laughs> right? Like yeah. I do I do end up cheating now and then, but like you know I I think it's I think it's like important to to not like peg your your like sense of well-being or like sense of self to something that you don't have full control over right um and, and you know like, of course those things are important right like if you have if your viewer numbers are consistently dropping it's not necessarily just ebbs and flows of things maybe you're doing something wrong right like maybe you, you know like you want to be able to to step back and honestly evaluate like hey is the sort of content that I'm putting out right now what people want to watch is it something that, that like am I happy and excited like there's actually a a, a period like uh, part with you last year where like I just wasn't really enjoying like the you know like the standard metagame in Hearthstone right so I was playing a lot of Battlegrounds but like my audience wasn't particularly interested in Battlegrounds you know so like my viewership both on like my you know YouTube videos which are which were Battlegrounds focused and on on like you know Hearthstone um were like lower 
because like people who want to watch Battlegrounds would like go watch the Battlegrounds streamers rather than like, you know, necessarily watch me. And like what yep. they wanted to watch from my channel was experimenting with cool decks, building wacky things, et cetera. Um, and, you know, like it's, it's important to be like, OK, well, I need to kind of reconcile with this, like, you know, balance these things. Right. Like there's the 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 like importance of me enjoying what I'm doing, but also understanding what it is that my audience is looking for. You know, like, and, and that can be a, a difficult balancing act to be difficult to like find what the right place is. Cause like, if I'm doing something that people can, that I don't enjoy, people can tell, right? Like I'm playing a game and I'm like, you know, they're just like, you seem bored. I'm like, yep, I'm bored. <laughs> you know, it just comes, it's, it's interesting as well. Just thinking about how everything you've done in your life so far, there's this ability to have empathy and understanding for to psychology like back in when you're in college days like just understanding how that's kind of paved its way not just into game design but then also into content creation and managing mm -hmm. kind of viewer expectations and a community expectations versus your own what's going on for you and balancing that over the years i think for a lot of content creators that who may become into success a lot faster mm -hmm. um than, than you have there's an immaturity to it yep whereas you have like a deep maturity around everything that's going on around yeah. you yeah yeah, I mean, I, I think that it's, like you know, I think that a lot of people get, they get caught up in the level of success they have as quickly as they do and, like, can kind of lose sense of themselves, right? Because I, I think especially for, like, the really young, like, you know, say, you know, kids who blow up when they're, like, 17 or 18, right? Like, you don't know who you are, right, at, like, 17 or 18 in a lot of cases. You don't necessarily have, like, you know, the perspective of your own experiences to really sort of, like, grasp not only, like, the impact of, like, what, you're doing on like other people. Cause you hear like, you know, these kind of, like, all these kind of unfortunate stories about like, you know, like grooming, harassment, whatever that can happen in the community, especially among like, you know, like these like younger stars. Um, but also the, the impact that a lot of things have like on yourself, right? Like, you know, if you are so caught up, you know, in updating your social media bios with your number of followers, every time it goes up that like when those numbers go down, what does it, what does that mean to you? What does that mean about you? Like, to yourself, right? And you know, I, I think those that are it's, ugly, hard questions, right? Right. Yeah. You know, you know, and 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 it's I, I, you know, I feel fortunate. I mean, frankly, that like I didn't have social media when I grew up, right? Like, you know, like having to like like deal with these things of like, you know, okay, well, how many TikTok or Instagram or whatever followers you have being a thing that matters to you when you're a teenager. It's like that's that's kind of kind of like overwhelmingly stressful in a way that like, you know, yeah, like now I, I like look at like, you know, my like Twitter followers or Twitch followers or YouTube subscribers or whatever. And I, I care about those things. They matter to me. But like I also have, you know, an entire life of things to reflect on my own self-worth. Right. Like, yeah. you know, it's 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 not just pegged to these these metrics that, you know, can like make you feel so terrible at times if they're not going the right direction. Yeah, that's absolutely Kibler. We are a little over time and I am keeping you from your, your stream <laughs> at, at this point. I really appreciate you taking the time to share your story. Um, a lot of incredible insights for those that are just starting out in their journey. And I think it's to your point, it's a 25 year overnight success. Yeah. And I mean, I think that when, when people ask me for advice on streaming, right, like that's one of the things that I, I point to is like, I'm not necessarily the best person to offer you advice for where you are. Right. But I, I can try to offer what sort of wisdom I can that I've gleaned from the experience. So that was phenomenal. There's a there's a lot of really good nuggets. And I think 
again delayed gravitation none of this happens overnight yeah um and if you think it does you're you're in for a pretty rude awakening um yeah in many ways Kibler, thank you so much appreciate it man yeah absolutely thank you have